Ken, welcome to the show. Really excited for this. Excited to have you on. And thank you for jumping on. Ken is with oh, Ramsey Solutions. So we yeah, get to pick your brain a little bit, get to learn more about you. But just to begin with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Yeah, well, my name is Ken. And I coach men and women to discover their uniqueness and then turn that uniqueness into meaningful work and the impact that they desire. Uh, this life of purpose involves work and work is not just a J-O-B. And so I want them to win in their work life so that they're winning in their life. And I do that via radio, Sirius XM, podcasts, YouTube, write books, blogs. I come on podcasts with really handsome tradesmen like you guys. And so I try to be everywhere I can because unfortunately the message that I'm trying to combat is pretty pervasive. Uh, that work is just something we have to do. And we just try to make it through the weekend to where we can drink our face off and uh, try to make it through to the next Monday. So that's, was that all the questions? Who I am, what I do and where are you from? Oh, where I'm from. So I was born in a little tiny town called Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 5,000 okay. people. And that's such a small area that Point Pleasant, a town of 5,000 people is the county seat. So, I mean, wow, that's it's, it's so rural. They have to pump sunlight down there. <laughs> and uh, then when I was 12, I moved to Virginia. So uh, born in West Virginia, I hail from Virginia, grew up my formative years in Virginia in the tide, Tidewater area, coastal area, okay. uh, down near Virginia Beach. And and uh, so, so I, I am a Virginian, whether it's West or, or the mainland, that's where I'm, I'm from. I'm in Charlottesville right now. So yeah, God's country, there. God's yep. country up there. Beautiful home of one of my favorite historical sites in America, Monticello, yep. gorgeous property. I'm a big Jefferson fan. So that yep. either, that either connected me to some people or offended a bunch more. <laughs> or for some, I don't even know why, right? Yes. See, that's great. You have no clue as to why I even said that. That's even better. There you go. Well, Ken, we appreciate your time. I usually follow up with a construction career question, but I would be remiss to not ask you about your career. How did you get to where you're at today? I think for most people, right, when they look at Ken Coleman, you named all the stuff you've done. You're in your dream job, like you talk about on the show, but people don't see the hours, the days, the months, the years it took to get to where you're at. And so tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us about, you know, the, the grind to where you got to where you're at today and just kind of share that with our audience. Well, I'm thinking of a special uh, connection to this audience that goes way back before there was a career. And I was a uh, rising college freshman and I needed a summer job. And I felt like I was definitely going to go into politics down the road, but I needed a good paying summer job. My dad made a couple calls and I got a job as a laborer. And Oops. I mean, laborer, okay, for a custom home builder. So three days a week, I was working as the laborer for the brick mason crew, laying foundations, laying brick. And that means when I, when I started the day, it was 7 a.m. and I was doing, I don't know, 60, 70 pound bags of mortar, half yeah. my body weight or more into that big old mixer and eating that dust and just making mortar then pouring that thing into a wheelbarrow and then wheelbarrowing that thing around a construction site, which is like, there's no level ground. And if you dump the barrel wheelbarrow, which I did a few times early on, your SOL, you got to go make another batch and you get in trouble for that and getting docked. So 
I would do that, get all the mortar boards full before the crew got there. And then the rest of the day, brick tongs, one on each arm, stacking bricks, throwing yeah. bricks, bricks to the second floor if we had to do that, and just keeping those mortar boards going. Then the other two days, I was working on a framing crew, shooting three-quarter inch plywood up, you know, and doing all kinds of just grunt work. And it was that summer that I realized that I was designed to work inside with air conditioning. <laughs> And, you know, it, it was the hardest work of my life, but I tell you, it also made me appreciate the trades yeah. and how vital those trades are, but also how hard the work is and how honorable it is. And so it was in those early days that I realized, yep, I think I'm right. I definitely need to be in a collared shirt in a controlled air environment. And so I set off to go into politics after school. I did actually leave a semester early. And got on several campaigns, found myself as a college dropout running four congressional districts for statewide gubernatorial race in Virginia for Jim Gilmore. We won. I got the fancy job, the big office, working in the office of the governor as a special assistant. And I did that for a year and I couldn't get out fast enough because it was so boring compared to campaigning. Hmm. And picture campaigning is like a firefight, a battle scene. And then governing is like, sitting in the campaign headquarters where all the typewriters are from all those movies that you have seen. And so I got to fast forward the story, but I, I, I got out, got into the business world because I wanted to create a business leadership resume so that when I did run, I could say I've been leading in business, Mm. not a political insider. So that was the path. Well, God takes me to Atlanta. I'm working for Maxwell, John Maxwell, legendary leadership guru. And about that time, I realized I'm supposedly laying down the groundwork to eventually run. And I, I had become disillusioned, disenfranchised, discouraged by the political process. And what I saw was really a lack of effectiveness. And I thought, I'm not sure this is the place I want to be. And so that put me into a tailspin of confusion because I had been aiming towards one spot since I was 16. And now here I am, yeah. 30. Hmm. and not sure which direction I'm supposed to go. I just know I'm not supposed to go that direction, at least at that time. So went through a season of just sitting and kind of doing life, little kids, and kept coming up with excuses as to why I didn't need to figure out the next thing. Ran my own business for three or four years. And then got to a point where my soul just started shouting at me at night, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not doing what we were created to do. And a lot of sleepless nights led to some soul searching. And just really rediscovered myself and who I was and found the ties from why I was drawn into public service to where I'm now, now at in a, in a public service role, but yeah. just a broadcaster and a communicator. So through that process, um, as I begin to move into broadcasting, I thought it was going to be sports because I love talking sports. Uh, but I realized I was missing one thing, and that was the result of the work. I was good at broadcasting. I enjoyed broadcasting. But the results of sports broadcasting was entertainment, and something was missing. And, and so what I do today is I love to speak and write and communicate to equip, to encourage. Hmm. And that's what was missing. And so as I begin to realize, wait, I've kind of figured this out for myself. I was in a period of you know, uncertainty and felt lost and confused. And I, I realized that 
what I discovered for myself, I thought that I could help other people discover. And, mm. and, it, and, it, and it matched up with everything I wanted to do, to speak, to communicate, to enlighten people as to who they really are and what they were created to do, help them do it to the best of their ability. And so here we are all these years later. Wow. You know, you said a lot of incredible stuff and had to go. I know that's a big question, man. I couldn't answer that any faster. No, I loved it. It it was incredible. You're right about that. But one thing that I noticed, right, especially that applies to construction. So Davis and I, we're on the general contractor side. So we're actually not on the trade side, but we have an incredible amount of respect for the trades. But what we found a lot, right, or at least what I've experienced and kind of what you've experienced, that a lot of people, especially in newer to any industry, but especially the construction industry, there is a lot of, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I might as well just go in and do this. I might as well just be a laborer, or I might as well and just go and work for this company because I don't have a vision or I don't I don't know where else to go. So for you, it it seems like it kind of took you a couple of years to really figure out the directions that you wanted your life to go in through just a lot of trial and error over time. Well, so there's no question. What's that? I said, no question about yeah. it. It's trial and error because I, I had a sense that I wanted to speak and there was something calling me to be a communicator, some level of performance. And when I say performance, I don't mean as simple as acting. I mean like the act of there's a pressure here. Mm. The eyes are on you. That was, there was mm. some, that, that pattern was very consistent throughout my life. So I, I had that sense. Uh, but again, I, this idea of being a broadcaster in the personal growth space, keep in mind, this is before podcasts were a thing. Yeah. Like, it didn't even exist. So it was pretty much, if you were to go into broadcasting, it was going to be news, you know, your hard news, your political news or sports news mm-hmm. or entertainment. news. I mean, that's, that was pretty much it. And so that's what made it really kind of freaky scary is it? I had to do exactly the way you asked that. I had to, well, I tried sports broadcasting. I actually mm. got on television and I got on the radio that's and, cool. and, and a large market. Yeah. And I, you know, I, but it was enough for me to go. Mm, not for me. That's not it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who had that same sort of inclination, same sort of feeling that you had. It was like, I like this. It's cool. It's okay. But it's not what I'm passionate about. It's not what the Lord's calling me to. It's not what I want to do. For for those out there who might be afraid to take the next step or who just don't know what step to take, but they're stuck in this continuous cycle of, I don't really know, but I'm just going to go and keep doing what I don't want to do sort of thing. What would you tell them? What advice would you give to them? I would switch that phrase. And by the way, you're right. Our default phrase is, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And I think that's actually not completely true. If we say it this way, I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, or I don't know 100%, then we could go, okay, that's correct. But, you know, I get a lot of people that call the show that present as though they don't know what they want to do. And as I dig on them for two or three, four or five minutes, they know, yeah, it feels like you've heard these calls before and they end up, they end up always saying exactly what they They want to do. do. (laughs) And what what we're saying is, is that I don't know for sure. And so I think what we need to do is, is when we, when we get in that spot, instead of saying, I don't know, I think we ought to flip it mentally. And this is a cognitive exercise that will absolutely work. But you just need to go, I wonder if, 
It's instead of saying, I don't know, when we look at a potential path or a mountaintop, if we go, I wonder if it's sports broadcasting. I wonder if it's being a preacher. I wonder if it's being a business motivational speaker. Now, that's what I did. Right. And so I I just, I had all these scenarios. Because here's what I did know. I did know that I wanted to communicate publicly. All right, so back to your question. All right, they may not have picked or may not be super certain, but they might go, I know this. I want to work with my hands. I want to work with people. I want to work outdoors. I want to work with machines. Mm. I want to fix stuff. I want to build stuff. You know, and, and if we can just narrow that down, then we go, all right, I wonder if I want to be a carpenter. I wonder if I want to be an electrician. I wonder if I want to be a plumber. I wonder if I want to be an HVAC, you know, repair guy or install. So when we switch it from I don't know to I wonder, then it takes the it, it takes the pressure off the brain. Right. And, and we just go, all right, I'm and it gives me permission to sample. I don't know if you guys like Costco or not, but we've got a oh, giant yeah. Costco here and I love Costco. I went there yesterday. Yeah, man. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm almost 50 years old and I still go into Costco. And before I ever get to the list, I'm looking for the samples. That's right. I love yeah. samples. Well, why is it that we love samples as humans? I think it's pretty simple. Number one, it's free. <laughs> It doesn't cost us anything. Oh, I'll take some free food. Give me one of them pot stickers, you know? And so it's free. The second thing is, is it's risk-free. Mm-hmm. Not only is it free financially, but I'm free of any risk. I'm not investing yeah. in this whole box of pot stickers. No I'm going to try one. And so I, I think if we can grab the Costco sample principle here, and and look at it as it relates to I'm going to sample by simply having coffee with someone, lunch with someone who's in these trades, shadowing them for a day. You know, I mean, listen, all I know is, is that every human being's favorite subject is themselves. Yeah, it's true. And if I say to a guy who runs a masonry company, hey, listen, man, look at me, city slicker. All right. I, I can't talk on a, I can't talk on a mic anymore. I'm done with it. I'm fried. I just want to work, get dirty, get back to my roots in Virginia. When I inhaled too much mortar, you know, can I spend just an hour with you one day this week? I won't get in the way. I just want to watch you lead a crew. I want to, I want to ask you, I'll take you to lunch for, for, for two, three straight days. Let me spend an hour each day with you on site, take you to lunch. I want to learn everything about your business, margins, blah, 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 employee issues, blah, blah, blah. Would you be willing to do that? 10 out of 10 guys are going to go, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. So that's what I mean by sampling. I want to hit on this because you had a good point, and then we're going to pivot to hiring. But once you get that job, say it's, I I want to be a carpenter, and you're in that phase of, I'm 18. I'm in the 23-year-old range. I'm still trying to figure out my career. Do I want to be in construction or not? You have a tremendous opportunity to go talk to the other tradesmen on the job site 
and understand and pick their brain and figure out what is it that they like to do about their own job, right? Man, maybe that's something I would like to do. And I just get to work with them side by side. And maybe you get to make that shift. But, you know, the world is your oyster in construction. You have a tremendous opportunity. If you just get yourself in the door, dude, there's going to be an opportunity for you to learn, for you to grow. There's even potential path for you to own your own business one day, as you know, right? And so there's so many steps. But before I get too far down this line, let's back up a second. Let's, let's zoom out. Let's talk about hiring. Mm-hmm. You know, for our generation, they may they may struggle in this area, right? They may struggle with some of the soft skills, being able to do well in an interview. What are some of just the basic things that our generation needs to know about hiring and getting a job in construction? Yeah. Well, first thing is, is that if you just, even though you may be nervous and you may not be in, you not may not be very comfortable in a job interview or you spent too much time on your phone, it's okay. This is really simple stuff, okay? Eye contact, smile, firm handshake to the point that you move one of his bones in his hand. <laughs> I'm not kidding. A firm handshake. Now, you don't go in there and wrestling, but when you get a hold of that hand, eye contact, smile, handshake that's bone-crushingly firm, and be okay answering questions. Don't get all nervous with how great it sounds. Just be you. It's okay to be nervous, but don't quit on the answer just because you've lost confidence about 10 seconds in. That's what I see with this generation. Hmm. They they come across as unfriendly and abrupt because of their nerves because they don't have a lot of personal, interpersonal skills. But here's the deal. No one's hiring you to be a speechwriter. You're not being hired to be a press secretary. Yeah. All right. You're you're me, low man on the totem pole, man. Uh, your job is to follow instructions and do it efficiently without an attitude. That's your job description. Okay. And so the bottom line is, is that I'm, I'm going to uh, take my nerves and be okay with my nerves. And so if I'm stumbling through the answer, still keep eye contact and, and just get through it. They're not hiring you for your language skills. Okay. Second thing is, is if you've got some questions you want to ask to try to stand out in the interview, there's nothing wrong with a construction guy going into a job interview with a little pad of paper and a pen Mm -hmm. and have your questions written down ahead of time. So your nerves don't take over and you look at that and that's going to blow their mind. A dude showing up for an interview for a trades position with pre-determined questions that you want to know. Yeah. And Hey, write down some of your little your little little hacks, your little interview hacks, if you want to, like write down on your piece of paper, nod and smile, and glance at it during the interview. When you get nervous. That doesn't make you look shifty. It makes you look serious and prepared. And let me tell you something. And I'm not knocking the trade. I love the trades, but unfortunately, uh, because of the public perception of the trades, yeah, they're. A lot of laborers and people in there, it's their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth strike. And if you're a young person who's starting out fresh and you walk in and you have some good personal skills, like I just listed out, and you show up early and you're the last one to leave, and I don't even care if you're done, I'd wait till the foreman is wrapping up. And if I had to restack bricks three times, I was finding something to do on that job site. And I'm not kidding. You can make fun of this and call this whatever, but I waited. I was working until the until the boss man left. And when he started leaving, he saw me leave. 
I was there before everybody else, and I left when he left, last person on the job. And in the construction industry, um, you do little things like that and ask good questions, learn about the business, a volunteer to help. You know, you know, if the boss is struggling and they're behind time and you hear him yell at those guys, come on, we're behind. You're the laborer, go up to the boss and go, hey, you want me to run to uh, 7-Eleven, get everybody some, some chili dogs so everybody can <laughs> yeah. work on site? Yeah. I'm just telling you, man, you guys are laughing. Why are you know, it's true. <laughs> chili dog. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the meal of champions for construction workers, <laughs> you know, chili cheese dog, wash it down with a, a gigantic Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, um, you're looking for opportunities like that to just be exceptional. And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, the word is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Right. I think extraordinary in the trades right now is probably an elevator to the top. Yeah. Assuming you, you do good work, right? You know, right. So. that's fair. Yeah. Key caveat.